Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Pace and Space podcast, a very special edition of the Pace and Space podcast. We are now in September. We are literally weeks away from NBA preseason, which means we're only weeks away from the start of NBA season. And to get this thing started off right, me and Leif are going to be going week by week with some season previews. Isn't that right, Leif? Yep. The way it lines up, it lines up perfectly with the season. And I think we're in a position now that we all the off-season moves have happened. And so, yeah, let's talk about where the teams stand and what we think they're going to do next season or this upcoming season. Right, right. So we decided to do this by division this time. Last year, we, we kind of like lumped the whole Western Conference and the whole Eastern Conference into two episodes. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to break this down a little more, go by division, do like five teams at a time, and, and really break it down and, and get to talk more about each of these teams individually. And we're going to have some fun questions to talk about. Um, we're going to, we're basically going to talk about um, what, what we think is the biggest player or storyline from this team to watch out for. Um, what is the biggest X factor on this team? What's the best possible scenario? What's the worst case scenario for these teams? And also, where do we think they'll end up when it's all said and done? Lottery, just making the playoffs, just missing the playoffs, championship, things like that. And lastly, the player on this team that we're looking forward to watching the most this season. So that'll be the six different ways we break down each team. And what we're going to do, we're going to go from west to east. And we're going to start with the Pacific Division. And we're going to work our way down from there. And what we're going to do in each division, we're going to go from the best team down to the worst team. So in the Pacific Division, obviously, the best team is the Golden State Warriors. So why don't you kick it off for us, Leif? What is the who is the biggest player or what is the biggest storyline dealing with the Warriors this season? See, that's a tough one because the question about what's the biggest storyline, I guess can they repeat? It's it's mm-hmm. just that simple. Um the team still looks good. I like everything they have on their team. They're still a dynamic team and so the question is not so much about their team is can the other teams match up and compete with Golden State right now? In terms of the player, the most important player, I still say it's going to be Kevin Durant. Um, we saw how he performed last season. He had that little chip on his shoulder. And I don't want to say that this is clearly his team now, but he has made strides. And so if he continues to perform like he did in the playoffs last season, I don't see Golden State having much problem marching their way right back into the finals. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I think the biggest story slash biggest player to watch out for this season with the Warriors is Steph Curry. I'm going to go a little opposite of your take on it. I think in some ways this is still Curry's team, even though Durant had an amazing finals, won the finals MVP. This team really didn't hit the point where they became unstoppable until they remembered that 
this was Curry's team first, and they needed the ball to go through him for everything else to open up. So he's he's got the big contract now. Um, he's staying there, but now I want to see you know through the grind of this of the regular season, you know is is Durant going to pick up where he left left off in the finals, or is it really going to be a scenario where they need Steph to take him through the eighty two game season, and then Durant can be Durant in the playoffs and finals? Yeah. Yes, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see more of the team basketball, more of going around Curry during the regular season. And KD is what's what is is unstoppable in that team. Now, we already thought Curry was unstoppable. I mean, he could shoot from anywhere. And as you mentioned, he has that new contract. But I think with KD, if he can repeat that performance that he had in the playoffs last year where he proved unstoppable, he's saying all the right things, I think that you know he can be well on his way to getting another MVP award this season. He just might. He just might. Um, there's definitely gonna be a lot of candidates for it this year, uh, just like there was last year. I, I don't. I don't think the MVP discussion will be any less interesting. Interesting this year. Um, but uh, let's keep moving forward. Let's go. Let's go on to biggest X factor. Who do you think the biggest X factor on the Warriors will be. Who biggest X factor? That's a good one. I'm gonna say Draymond. Okay. Why? Yeah. Draymond, he he showed us something. You know, he he became a, a leader in his own right, and not that saying that he is the leader of the team, but in his own right, he he became a leader. Right. Um, he was able to handle himself on the defensive end, um, even though he had to take less touches because of KD. He composed himself. He did what he had to do. We already know what we're going to get from Curry. We know what we're going to get from KD. We even know we're going to get from Clay. And I think um, Draymond is one of those players who has the ability to pull it all together. And so he's that X factor. Can he continue to do a lot of the dirty work? the thing that may not necessarily show up on the stat sheet. But at the end of the day, when you look at a game, you know, anytime you see some pivotal moment, whether it's throwing a pick, whether it's getting a rebound, whether it's an assist, you're going to see Draymond in there. So I'm going to say he's that X factor. Um, I would like to see if he can, you know, get that defensive player of the year award and, you know, just, just, and one, keep himself out of trouble. That's something that he hasn't been able to do. Yeah, but if he yeah. can, if he can control his temper and and just play basketball, he'll be my X factor for the for the Golden State Warriors. Okay, that's a good one. I'm gonna go with kind of a opposite choice here. My X factor is gonna be Patrick McCall. Wow! Please explain. Well, one Ian Clark left. He and Say what you will about Ian Clark. He, he played a key role on the bench for this team last year. He gave them quality minutes, you know, at the at the two and at the wing, especially to give breathers to Clay to Durant, especially when Durant was hurt. He, he got some valuable minutes. And they're, especially in the playoffs too, and they're going to need somebody to fill Ian Clark's role off the bench. And I think that has to be Patrick McCaw. I know they signed Nick Young, but 
I, I don't think you're expecting anything out of you, Nick Young other than spotting up and shooting wide open threes. And maybe that's all you can expect from a call too, but I think there's going to be some defensive um, responsibilities, especially in that second unit that he's going to have to step in and fill that Ian Clark used to. And just be kind of that seventh or eighth man on the bench. They did not match offers Ian Clark got mainly because of cap reasons, but also because they probably felt that McCall could kind of step in and with Ian Clark's minutes fill a bigger role. So now I think that's going to be a, I think that's going to be an interesting wrinkle. Are we going to see McCall step it up and be part of a bench unit that the war that the Warriors are going to need in order to go all the way to the championship? Or is he going to struggle and then are they going to find themselves kind of shorthanded at times because they can't rely on that second unit as much as they used to in times past? Yeah, I, I, I do like I do like McCall. He he does think he's, he's one of those players who um, you, you see a, a star to a, a top team and you have this player who may not have that name recognition, but. He's able to get it done. He's able to contribute. He's able to do exactly what you ask of him. Um, while I won't call him my X Factor, I respect that he's your X Factor. I think he can do some things this season. And he showed some something last season, especially during the playoffs. So now having more minutes to himself, I think he could carve out a nice niche for himself. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm trying to make things interesting. We're talking about a team that's probably going to run away with the league, so I got to throw something a little more interesting to try and and look out for here. Yeah, it's a it's a frustrating team. It's not even a frustrating team. It's just one of those teams that, that's frustrating to talk about because it, what you you're trying to pick holes at something that just runs, that's just moving. So yeah. it, it's a tough team. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, okay, let's run through real quick best case and worst case scenarios. Okay, um, best case scenario, they won 74 games. Worst case scenario, they won 65. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, not for real, for, for real, for real. Um, best case scenario, they're going to win another ring. Yeah. They're going to. They're going to get ready to the finals. They're going to, um, no problem. Um, worst case scenario, I can find themselves going against, going into playoffs, find themselves against uh, one of these revamped teams and having a little bit of trouble. Um, whether it's a, a revamped Rockets team, you know, if it's a revamped you know, OKC team or even San Antonio. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. Regular season, no trouble. But I can see the worst case scenario being some kind of trouble once they get into the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. I. I yep. I got what you're saying. But in either case, you, they still win in your best and worst case scenarios. Yeah. Again, we're, we're we're trying to poke holes. We're trying to poke holes in something that's just working. So. Yeah. All right. So obviously, best case scenario, they win the title. Um, maybe they even improve. And go undefeated through the whole playoffs this time. Um, worst case scenario, obviously, is that they don't win the championship. If they go up against the Cavs this time and Cavs even the score. Or if 
somehow the Rockets or the Spurs or whoever else uh, surprises them and, and they get bumped before the finals. But I think the real worst case scenario for the Warriors would be is if one of, and I think it would have to be a Western Conference team, but if one of these Western Conference teams they find they they face in the playoffs figures out the code to beat to beating them, just cracks the code, puts out a defense that the Warriors just don't know what to do with and, and really unravel. I think that would be the worst case scenario. Right. And yeah, with KD, that kind of makes that a little difficult. But yeah, if that team can figure it out, right, that could spell a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, no real suspension of disbelief in in those in those areas. But um, so obviously we said what is a success for them. So what? Who is the player you're most looking forward to watching on the Warriors? Hmm. Player I'm most look for most looking forward to. You know what? Even when you asked me this question before, I couldn't pick out that one player. Really? Because yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're just uh, that one player I look forward to seeing. I'm gonna have to say Curry. Okay. I I just want to see. I'll enjoy watching him play. So he's the guy I want to see. When when I first heard that question, I was thinking Nick Young. <laughs> uh, you know, here you go. Yeah. But but it's like for all the wrong reasons and with some you know it's just you know now he's gonna have some open shots. You know, will he still take those crazy shots? You know, will he get a shot behind a three-point line, pump fake, and step within the three-point line to take a shot? Is, is he still going to be that Nick Young, or what are we going to see from him? So, uh, I, I, I'm I'm going to stick with. I'm going to play it safe. This is a safe team. I'll I'll take some more chances with other teams. I'm going to say Curry. Okay. Well, I got a name. And I'm surprised you didn't you didn't go with this guy. The player I'm looking forward to watching the most this season is JaVale McGee. Oh, are you talking about did you see that video of him shooting threes? Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've seen him in the pickup games. I've seen him in the summer workouts. This man is out at the three point line. He's just swishing it, man, from the corner. He looks good, man. He looks like you might want to give him a couple of those. In the NBA game, I don't know. And if we're talking about seven foot JaVale McGee, you know, the the Shaqton the Fool MVP now turning into a seven foot spot up corner three specialist who can also block shots and rebounds and block shots and rebound for this Warriors team. Oh my goodness. It's not right. fair. I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. Preseason, McGee goes back and tries to shoot that shot. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, go ahead, try it, you know, and he'll go one for nine. And they might even let him try it a little bit and during the regular season. By game five, they're going to tell him, you have no business out there. 
and that's it. And see, I could see him, and I could see him coming back in because it's not like we haven't seen this before. A, a big guy going behind a three point line, making shots, shooting, and then all of a sudden, you know, regular season comes comes around and they can't make that shot at all. So, okay, okay, uh, I, I I disagree with you though. I think this could I think this could be a a little bit of a Maurice Spates scenario with JaVel McGee. Whereas he, you will, don't trust him like he's a everyday three point specialist, but you let he gets out there, he shoots a couple, and he at least helps space the floor. And with their two center options options being Petrulia and McGee, it does not hurt the Warriors if he can at least hit it enough where he has to be guarded out there. And it allows them to save that death lineup with Draymond Green at, at the center until they really need it. And it also saves mileage on Draymond Green where he doesn't have to play the center as much. I hear what you're saying. It's one of those things. Again, I got to see it. You I hear you. Few, I feel you. I feel you. you got a few games. Well, let, let's, let's put a pin in that one. and Let's go back and let's come back to that let's say 10 games in a season and let's see if he's able to knock that shot down. Yeah. And it don't even have to be consistent, but enough where if you see him behind a three point line, that the defender will actually close out on him. They probably just say, Hey, go ahead, take it. All right. If you make it tough on me, you know, you know, I knew exactly what was going to happen. So okay. I'm going to tell you this right now. Nick, when we revisit this, JaVale McGee is going to be a 32% shooter or better from three. Sure. Anyone can be 32% when you go one out of three. Hey, that's all they need, though. That's (laughs) all they need. They don't need him to be 40% from three. 32%, that's fine. He's he's not a guard. He's not a guard. Oh, I mean one out of three. I mean three three three-point shots during a season. No. I don't mean I don't mean a game. He's gonna he's gonna average he's gonna be thirty two percent on an average of two attempts a game. Come on, um, what? Let's, well, let's, let's how many how many hold on how many minutes a game did he play last season? Uh, I can tell you that right now. He played about ten minutes a game. Okay. Sorry, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. We're, we're going to come back to this one. I, I do not see during practice they're going to run a play for McGee to get a shot behind the three point line. Listen. I'm telling you I'm right listening. now. Two attempts per game. 32%. All right. So. All right. We'll come back. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bookmark this episode. We'll come back to it. You know, we'll have me on the record, and you can hold it again. You can hold me to it. Two attempts a game. Two attempts a game, 32%. Two attempts a game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we did. All right. So last one for Warriors. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but most likely scenario. No, champion. 
yeah, championship. All right, that does it for the Warriors. Ain't nothing to talk about that one. That was enough said. Now we'll move over to the team that finished second in the division last year, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers. A lot of changes for the Los Angeles Clippers this season. Chris Paul out. Blake Griffin still there. Danilo Gallinari in. Milo Dosic. Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. A lot of guards. A lot of guards on this team all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, so let's just kick it right off. Most important player or biggest storyline for the Clippers this year? All right. The most important player? I got to go Blake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Blake. And here's why I'm going to say most important player right now. And I'm going to say the biggest storyline. He's the most important player, one, because he got his money. Two, the one thing that we wanted to see from Blake and that we've seen before is his ability to be a playmaker. And as long as CP3 was on the clips, he was not going to be that playmaker. He couldn't because CP3 was the ball handler. Right. Now you take CP3 out of the picture and you put in some point guards who aren't exactly facilitators. A lot of the offense is going to go through Blake. And so now we should see uh, Blake take it another step. And we've already seen his ability to pass. He's an excellent passer. And, you know, he's he's not afraid to put the ball on the court and to create his shot. You know, it's not a nice shot, but he's not afraid to do it. Right. So if he's able to do that while getting his team involved, I think you're going to see the five assists that he's averaged over the past, let's say, three seasons. There's a chance that that number can go up another two assists. I think he can go up to about seven. So are we talking like LeBron-level assist numbers? I think the possibility is there. Remember, mm, you're, you're you're taking you're taking Chris Paul out the picture. You're putting a bunch of point guards who I would say are more either score first or defensive point guards. And now mm. you're putting him in here, and you're saying, "Okay, hey, Griffin, we want you now to to play on this team." And you know what? Some of the offense is gonna come through you. So yeah, he still get his twenty points. Yeah, he might get he's gonna get his eight rebounds, but if healthy, I think he's going to average closer to seven assists a game. Um, what about Teodosic? You think he's gonna be on limited minutes because he's supposed to be a a playmaker. He he's supposed to be like, you know, a really good passer, a guy who runs the offense for you, really finds the open man. Um, so if he's on the court, I mean, you're either saying that they're not going to trust him too much with minutes or they're going to still give Blake the playmaking duties, even with a point guard like Teodosic on the floor. They're going to give it, they're going to give Blake 
all opportunities to be the playmaker, and I don't think mm-hmm. they're gonna trust him right out the gate. I I, I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. Um, my biggest storyline for those Los Angeles Clippers this year is health. Health, health, yeah. health, because you've got a lot of guys that you're gonna be relying on to stay healthy. Like if Blake Griffin is healthy, he could have a monster year. If Danilo Gallinari stays healthy, he can be a very good wing partner for Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. It helps spread the floor. Also, gives keeps them uh, gives them a lot of height and and length in the front court. Um, even though he can stretch the floor, um, so that is important. Can he stay healthy? Can Blake stay healthy? And I mean, it's really those two guys because a lot, all the other guys, they don't work unless those guys are healthy and able to produce. Yeah, I can see that. I like that. Health is a good one. So that's that's fine. So and, and, and okay, Gallinari, is he gonna be back for the regular season for the opening of the season? I I don't know because he hurt his yeah, hand, right? Punching, punching somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Punch somebody in Eurobasket and mess his hand up. I think he is going to be okay, but um, he he's still he's still sidelined right now, from what I remember. All right, so so that's something to watch. Health is something that's yeah. big. But the big thing is Blake because there were reports saying he might not be back till December with with his toe injury. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna be something. So now is this a matter? Of can they? hold it down, stay competitive until he gets back. Right. So X Factor. Who's the X Factor on the Clippers? Austin Rivers. Seriously? Seriously. Okay. Explain. (laughs) (laughs) Austin Rivers the X Factor. Come on. I mean right now. I mean, his father has pretty much said he's going to be the starting shooter guard on the team. Oh man, he's going to have, yeah, he's he's going to start. So, and he's a point guard, so he's going to get some point guard minutes also. And this is the opportunity that wait 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 hold up. Wait. How is he going to get point guard minutes on this team? They've got Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Milos Teodosic. Already on this team, he's and Austin Rivers is gonna get point guard minutes. He's gonna get, he's gonna get some minutes. He's gonna get some. He's gonna start as shooting guard. I know he's gonna start as shooting guard, mm. and somehow, in some way, he will probably get some minutes at point guard. I'm not talking about 20 minutes at point guard. I'm not saying that, mm. but he might get some run there. So this is this is the this is what you're looking at. This this is what you're looking at. So I think Austin Rivers, I mean, he's the fourth highest player on the team. Think about that. And in terms of what? In terms of his salary. Oh yeah, wow! He's a, okay. <laughs> he's the fourth highest player. Yeah, he's he's being paid like a starter. So he is going yeah. to be. He is going to start. He has the all the things we've had to say about him all this time. Now we're going to see whether or not he can actually 
live up to some of that hype that he had before he was drafted. And now is it a matter of his father being blind and put him out there? I don't know. And so now he has a whole off season in which he can train, which he can learn and know that he is the starting shooting guard of the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. Austin rivers is the X factor. Can he do it? Especially with no Griffin in the beginning of the season. We don't know if Gallinari is going to be back. So right now you're focusing on Lou Williams. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're focusing on DeAndre Jordan. And yes, the X factor, Austin Rivers. About that. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Austin Rivers. I mean, yeah, I mean, he had a, a career year last year. Average 12 points per game. You know, I think maybe you're on to something. Uh, I can't. I can't. Sorry. I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't see it happening. But maybe he'll surprise me. You don't think he can go up to, like, 16 points a game? No. <laughs> no. I don't think you want to. Do you want him averaging 16 points a game when you have Gallinari, Blake Griffin, Lou Williams, even Sam Decker? All, all on, on this team looking for shots? Well, go back to what you said. You talked about health. So we don't know how Gallinari is. He's going to be ready. We know okay. Blake's going to be hurt. So Okay, can I gonna... see him averaging 16 while like Blake and Gallinari are hurt? Sure. But, but when they get back? No. Oh, well, no. When they, when, when they come back, no. No, no, not at all. Yeah. He's going to have some games, but no, I think you're going to see a lot more from Lou Williams. In fact, I can see Lou Williams kind of taking that Jamal Crawford kind of role. And yeah, I think Lou Williams can get his points. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's your X Factor. My X Factor is my X Factor is DeAndre Jordan. And the reason he's my X factor is because he needs to prove he can be a a 1B or number two star playing with Blake Griffin. Because he's he's gotten superstar money. He's gotten max money. All this. They made this big, ridiculous display of affection when he was about to leave the door to go to Dallas. Um, he's a big man in the league where you don't really need big men with his skills as much anymore. And when I look at this team, there is quite a bit of height and size on this team besides DeAndre Jordan now. Like, they got Montrez Harrell, who can play the four and the five. They got Sam Decker, who is 6'9". He can play the three, stretch four. Gallinari can play the three or the stretch four. Blake Griffin's about 6'10". They got Willie Reed in here also. I mean, they got guys that can do the job if DeAndre Jordan is going to like shoot 40% from the free throw line and not really show himself to be like a secondary star on this team. And the bad part is they need him to be the secondary star. They do. They need him to do stuff that he's never done before. He's going to have to take on some of this offensive load. Yeah. He's going to have to be an offensive player. 
He can't just catch alley-oops and, and do put-back dunks. He's got to be a guy that if Blake's not on the court, he can carry the team. And and also, too, you know, you've got Dre West in here now. You've got other people in here besides Doc Rivers who want to play a certain way and want to call things a certain way. If DeAndre Jordan just looks like a dinosaur out there on the court, they're gonna there's gonna be pressure to maybe even do line to play more with like Blake at the five and just have a bunch of shooters around him and do lineups like that. I can see that, but now let me go back to your DeAndre point because if I remember correctly, I believe DeAndre was your X factor last season as well. For similar and reasons. For similar reasons. And I feel like we were still disappointed. We were. And that's why my he's my X Factor again, because if if he can't step up this year, I mean, the Clippers are in a world of trouble. Because this is their team now. They're they're locked into this team where Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Danilo Gallinari are making all this money. And that's it. Like, let me see. They they still have DeAndre Jordan signed up for I another well until they have him this season and next season. Well well he can opt out next summer. So maybe he does, but do they move on from him if he opts out? They're probably gonna want to keep him, right? Because who's their center if they if they don't they don't keep him? Hmm. And like I said, Galinari and and Blake are making they're making almost fifty million just the two of them combined. And then you're paying like Austin Rivers almost twelve million dollars a year. Like wow. there's there's not really room to sign another star to put with Blake. There Yeah, there isn't. And so you're relying on Blake. Yeah. And you're relying on DeAndre. And, and now you have mm-hmm. Gallinari. And you're you're hoping that in year nine of DeAndre Jordan's career he can kind of become that Shaq Dwight Howard level type of center where it doesn't matter if he can space the floor or not. And he's he's been very good, but he's never been that good. So, you know, and I mean when we were talking about the Jazz Clippers playoff matchup we were saying Gobert is better than him at this point, who's a very similar player at this point. So so is he going to get bypassed this year in terms of centers, in terms of overall star players? And if he does, that's bad news for the Clippers. It is. So we still have questions there. So. Mm-hmm. Which is why he's my he's my X factor because it can go either way, depending on the type of season he has. Especially while Blake Griffin is uh, recovering from injury. Well, now we have to see. 
Mm-hmm. Now we gotta see. So what's the what's the best case scenario for the Clippers this year? Uh best case scenario for the Clippers getting out of the first round. Um wow. that's and, that's like one in a million scenario yeah. for the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, getting out of the first round and we're still hoping that they can I'm thinking about the uh then yeah. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. Getting out of the first round. If if they get out the first round, I, I expect to see Confetti come coming down to Staples Center. Yeah, right. so <laughs> it's not messed up, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm really to me, I I see like best case scenario being like a fifth, a fourth seed in the in the West again. I mean, they they lost star power when Chris Paul left, but the funny thing is, the depth they were missing the whole time. Chris Paul was here. They finally got by making the the trade with Chris Paul. Yeah. So now they have the depth, but they don't have the star power. Right. Yeah. Clippers. Clippers. To me, I think they're going to be somewhere between six and eight. Yeah, that's most likely. To me, best case is fifth seed. I mean, I don't really think they can be a top four seed in the West. Um, worst case scenario, worst case scenario is Blake and Danilo deal injuries throughout the season, and they're either just making it as the A seed, or they don't even make the playoffs. Yep, worst case scenario to me is the same. I don't think they. I think worst case scenario they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. All right, so. Player on this team you're most looking forward to watch? Uh, I'm going to choose the same player, Blake. I want to see mm. whether or not he can step it up and be that you know, facilitator that I think he can be. All right. Um, the player I'm most looking forward to watch is, is Taylor Dosage. I've heard a lot about him. Haven't actually seen him. I mean, if he's as good as advertised, he'll be an interesting player to watch, especially he's coming in the league at, like, age 30. So he doesn't have NBA experience, but he had, he will come in with, a, like, a maturity that a lot of other players won't have. And he's a professional. He's played in the Euro, Euro leagues for a long time now. So I'll be looking forward to seeing what he can do now in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, the only problem that I have with him is that one of the things that Doc had to say during the offseason is running an offense without having to go through a point guard or a, a, a ball-dominant point guard. And mm-hmm. that is what I think is going to be a discredit to him. He sounds like you'd want to put the ball in his hands the way he plays. You would think, yeah. But again, it, you have you don't know what Doc's thinking, and I can definitely see in the beginning. You know, he Doc's trying different things, trying to get him involved. But as we already said, there's 
different point guards on that team with Beverly, you know, with Lou Williams. Yeah. So we have to see. Do you yeah. give did you give him a shot? Do you give him a fair shake? I mean, are you gonna give him, you know, twenty five minutes a game or are you gonna give him ten minutes a game? That's yeah. all that's that's those are the questions that I would have with that. That's an, that's a good point. I think what we could end up seeing very likely is a scenario where we see some some nice play from him, but we don't get to see enough of him. Basically, like we only get to see him in, in limited playing time, and he shows us little spurts of what he can do. But Doc perhaps may already have made up in his mind the way the team needs to play and his his style is his his game is not going to mesh as well with Blake's as Lou William and Pat Beverly's will like you were saying right he's he's gonna he has a he has a mission right now and Mm -hmm. part of that mission is to let everyone know that he is not missing cp3 and that the way that cp3 handled the ball and was that floor general he has to back up his statements and make it seem like that's not the kind of offense that he normally would run. So yeah. I can see him being on, on a mission to try to disprove that kind of style. Right. And that could be a disadvantage to to the point guards on the team. Yeah. In this case, the Sodas. I, I also think Doc is going to be coaching for his job this year, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's already yeah. lost the president duties. Um, he's not president of basketball operations anymore. He's just a coach now, which means he can be fired. And it's not going to take oh, yeah. someone like Steve Ballmer to fire him now. Now, um, you know, Frank Lawrence, wh- whoever the president of the basketball operations is now, Jerry West, you know, these guys have power over him now. And they can they can say, you're not getting the job done. We need somebody else in here. So he's going to be coaching for his job. And when coaches are coaching for their oh, job, yes. they rely on people that they think already know what to do. They're not going to give playing time to unknowns, and Theodosic is an unknown. So you might be on, on point with that one, but, but he's still going to be the player I'm looking forward to watch the most. Unfortunately, I may not, to get, I may not get to see a lot of him. That's the thing. Right. So most likely scenario, I think you already gave yours. You said somewhere between sixth through eighth seed in the West. Yep. Yeah, I yes. I, I co-signed that. I think there'll be somewhere between that. I'll say maybe even more like seven or eight seed in the West for the Clippers. Any other Clipper thoughts? Um, the Clippers are a team who've made a lot of changes. They got depth, like you mentioned. They don't have star power. And I think in the West, where the West has gotten deeper and stronger, you're going to, they're not going to just cakewalk into a top four seed. I can definitely see a lot of struggles. I can definitely see five game losing streaks where you're going to hear a lot of people calling for Doc's job. There's going to be a lot of storyline around the Clippers. It's not going to be. You know, all glorious. They're not going to be the talk of of L.A. right now. I mean, I think that's going to go to the Lakers. We'll talk about them shortly. And so I think it's going to be a, a tough season for the Clips. Not saying they won't make the playoffs, 
but they're not going to make it look pretty. Yeah, that's true. So that puts a, a bow on our Clippers talk for our season preview. Now we'll move on to the Sacramento Kings. And the Sacramento Kings are starting to look like a competent basketball team, Leif. Little by little. Little by little. So, no more Boogie Cousins. They've got brought in a bunch of draft picks. They have this youth movement. They've got some interesting veterans like Vince Carter and the drug kingpin formerly known as Zach Randolph. Zebo. <laughs> um, to pair with uh, a lot of these young rookies. So let's just kick it off. Which player, what's the biggest player or biggest storyline for you with the Kings this season? All right. One of the things we had to see, we wanted to see whether or not they are serious about competing. Mm. And we saw them make some moves. Granted, um, Zebo is probably not going to be playing for quite a while. Um, right. They got the ageless wonder, wonder in Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, you know, the minute got Bogdanovich. They, you know, they got De'Aaron Fox in the draft and Giles, which was definitely a good move. And mm-hmm. Giles, rather. And so, I mean, they've made moves. Oh, George Hill, too. Forgot to mention George Hill. They signed George him. Hill, right. They signed George Hill. That was good, too. They're a team who has a lot of youth. And I think they can do something. Can they put it all together is the question that I have. Right. Um, yeah, that's the question. I mean, they, they were the team who I really liked coming when I was looking at the, the draft. I liked what they did. They mm-hmm. definitely, if you're a fan of the Kings, you have to be happy with their what they did. So for me, it's the biggest storyline is the youth movement. Okay. They have, they have the veterans there, but this is the season we're going to see some of those young players actually grow, and you might get a squad that will stay together for years. Even can't forget Buddy Hield, you know, Sue Chef Hield. Right, Sue Chef Hield. He go out there. <laughs> can he go out there and do something? I mean, you got some players here, you know, and you got the big man. You got Willie Coley Stein. I mean, can. Is this the season now that he actually does some more? You know, can he do? You know, it's a lot of questions, but it's exciting at the same time. Right. I agree. I agree. So my biggest storyline for this season is going to be the backcourt in Sacramento. Because as we as you mentioned, you mentioned Buddy Hill. You met you mentioned George. I mentioned George Hill. They drafted De'Aaron Fox. There's only two starting positions in the backcourt, and they have three guys who probably should be starting for them. So, I don't know what the deal. I don't know what the plan is going to be for them this season. Uh, I don't really think you could move Buddy Hill to the three because he's like he's six four, so yeah. he'd be too small there. George Hill is six three. De'Aaron Fox is six three, so. I know I, I kind of get the reasoning they they signed George Hill, which 
would then mean that perhaps De'Aaron Fox might start the season coming off the bench. I think that's what you're going to see. Um, maybe not to put too... And, and I get why they signed George Hill, because they didn't want to put too much on De'Aaron Fox right out the gate. They wanted to maybe bring in a veteran like George Hill who can who can help him, can kind of like mentor him, help him grow into the position so that, you know, he can just... Once the... Once the chains come off, he he's just ready to go at at a hundred percent. Kind of like when when Aaron Rodgers got the job as starting quarterback. Once he got the job, he he just had it. He's ready. He he knew what to do. Um, that's the that's the only explanation I have for it. But it's gonna be interesting because fans and the media are gonna be clamoring for De'Aaron Fox to play. I've right. seen this play out before. I've seen this play out in, with my own team, with the Lakers, when Byron Scott was benching, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson for, you know, guys like Ronnie Price. <laughs> and <laughs> and we were trying to figure out why aren't the young guys playing. There's nothing else to, to go for this season. We need to see what they can do. These are going to be sentiments you hear throughout the season. And, you know, signings like George Hill, like Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, it kind of makes you wonder if the Kings are trying to sneak into that AC this year while they build up this young core. And if that's really their goal, you, you will see perhaps the coaching staff rely more on guys like George Hill, like Zach Randolph, rather than giving heavy minutes to the Willie Cauley-Steins, the Harry Giles, and the De'Aaron Foxes on this team. Yeah, one of the things you see a lot of is you see a lot of these players who get picked in the, in the, in the top 10 picks or so, they get thrust in, a, in an opportunity where they're starting and that puts them at a disadvantage. They don't have the ability to grow. They don't have the ability to learn. In this case, you're now going to find that in, in the case of George Hill, he got a point guard who is going to be able to play ahead of De'Aaron Fox, kind of show him what he has to do. He can learn, learn from that veteran presence. And you're right. The fans are going to want him. And I don't blame him. I like him. I think he's a he has that a personality that – you know, he's going to win the fans over. And that's what's going to draw you. You're going to have to find minutes for him. So it's a, it's a good thing. You know, even Zebo before, you know, he was, you know, selling dope. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's too many jokes with there with Zebo. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, even with him, I mean, there's an opportunity for him, if he plays, to help some of these guys to help them learn giles i mean he's a high upside player yeah i mean so i i I like what they did i know what you're saying about the the backcourt they have a lot of players they gotta find an opportunity for these guys to play they even got garrett temple so Mm, yeah he's got to get some minutes too you're paying him a good good chunk of change to play uh, yeah yes yeah, good point didn't even forgot about Garrett Temple but yeah they they committed some money to him and and he's been a guy who's been uh 
reserve who who gets a fair amount of minutes at a lot of different stops in his NBA career. Um, you know, you've got you kind of got they've kind of got like a veteran for at every position you want to see the young guys play at. You got Garrett Temple where who who might get minutes from Hill. You got Vince Carter who might take minutes away from Justin Jackson. You know, you got Zebo who might take minutes away from Scal Abisie or Willie Clay Stein. Although, you know, there wasn't Scal Abisie did not look good in the in the summer league, so we'll have to see if he uh hit the weight room after summer league and got himself back in shape. Um, but a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns and knowns in here that kind of make a weird uh a weird mixture, you know. But we'll we'll see what goes on. So yeah, my storylines the 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 backcourt. So let's move on to X factors. Who who is your X factor for the Kings this year? My X factor for the Kings. I'm gonna go Buddy Hill. Um, mm-hmm. He has an opportunity now to do more. Um, he has ownership who has a lot of faith and confidence in him. And I think they're going to give him a super green light. Okay. And so he has the opportunity now to a year removed from coming in the league to do something special. I like that one. I like that one. That was a that's a good that's a good pick. So your X Factor is Buddy Healed. So I think my X Factor is going to be Willie Cauley Stein. Because there was some, a lot of positives from Willie Cauley Stein after they traded DeMarcus Cousins. And when you look at his splits, basically the minute after DeMarcus Cousins got traded, there was a huge spike in. Willie Cauley-Stein's playing time and his production. He jumped from, you know, being like a 6.3 rebound player before the All-Star break to being a 13-point-per-game, 8-rebound-per-game player. Mm -hmm. And if he's that type of player and he's one of those players that can, you know, just block shots, grab rebounds, you know, work in a high-tempo offense and just, you know, be that trailer that can finish off fast breaks and catch alley-oops, that's a big That's a big deal for this for this team. If he can be that, like, defensive anchor, rebounding presence for them, that, that that's going to be huge, especially for a team that is so young and athletic and can get up and down the court. You know what? I'm not mad at that. I think... Willie Cauley Stein is a player who has an opportunity also to grow. He and he had a lot of growing pains for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I like the pick. I I could have went with that one as well. Yeah. So that's that's my X factor. You know, if he's uh, is year three. Year three is usually a, a turning point for big men, especially big men who turn into premier players in this league. Um, this will be his year three season. So. We, I, I expect, I expect him to continue on the path he had um, after the All Star break last year. So, best case scenario for the Kings, go. 
getting into the eighth seed? Ah, you took my answer. They can do it. <laughs> you took my answer. I I was gonna say the same there you thing. Go. They they get the AC. They sneak into it somehow. You know all the veterans like George Hill, Vince Carter, Zach Randolph, Garrett Temple. Those signings pay off, and somehow De'Aaron Fox turns into this six man spark plug that that helps them win games while also you know developing and and learning how to be a better player. Um, if all those things would happen, that would I that would dev- I think every King fan would sign up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Um, everything just goes wrong, and they wind up third with the second or third worst record in the league, mm-hmm. and. They're starting. They try to start selling players. Okay. Second round picks. I can see something like that happening. Okay. All right. Um, my my worst case scenario is a little more nuanced than that. Um, it's that they fall more towards being a lottery team, like you were saying. Um, but then to compound the problem, they are still sticking with the veterans to try and get out of that hole while stunting the development of guys like Fox and Heald and, and Justin Jackson and all of these young guys that they have on the team. So that would be my worst case scenario, that they are a lottery team but are still in this position where they're, where they're playing the veterans over those young players and then they basically like use, lose a year of development, essentially. Yeah, that's true. All right, so most likely scenario. Most likely scenario, they are either the ninth or, and you start to see um, a lot more development in the young players. Yeah, I'm going to say most likely they finish around 10th in the West and... But at the same time, De'Aaron Fox has a strong second half. Buddy Hill keeps improving, improving on those numbers he had once he came to the Kings. Um, you start to see some clear, defined roles for these young guys moving forward, and they become they they set themselves up to be, you know, talked about the way we talked about the Wolves and the way we're talking about the Sixers now. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I can see that happening too. So yeah. it's all it's all good either way you look at it. Yeah. So now, the player you are most looking forward to watch play. Oh, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox. That's simple enough, right? He's their top Easy. pick. Um. So mine is Buddy Hield. All right. I want to see what he does in year two. He's gonna have more leadership around him, but also less pressure on him. He's gonna have players that kind of make the defense have to guard them and not focus on him. And I want to see if he uses that opportunity to kind of turn into another Bradley Beal. 
CJ McCollum type of player who can just get you buckets. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He might have it in him. Good. He might have him in. He surprised me. He was able to put the ball on, ball on the floor when he went to the Kings. He was doing some pick and roll. He was scoring off the dribble. He he was doing some things I didn't think he had in him. So let's see what year two does for him. Yep, I'm down with it. I could I can definitely see that. Like I said, you know, I, I feel like he can do some good things. And another year where he has a green light, I like it. Yeah. All right. So a lot of positive energy for the Kings. Um seems like that's uh that's a general theme this summer but hey you know you when you draft good players and and you make a couple of interesting signings you you get some good energy your way so now we'll move on to what i would like to call the best team in the division but that's not true right now the los angeles lakers (laughs) so Lakers had a busy, right, busy summer. In my mind, I already know your answers, but I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is fun. This is fun. All right, you know what we'll do then? We will, we will do this. And you know, I promise. Uh, if you're right, I'll say you're right. But instead of me just answering any of these questions, when it's my turn to answer, you're gonna predict what my answer will be. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, Lakers had a busy summer. Um, One-time point guard of the future, D'Angelo Russell, was traded um, to unload Timothy Mozgov's contract and to also bring in Brooke Lopez and a pick. That pick turned into Kyle Kuzma. And they then made the long-awaited promise or prophecy if you're LeVar Ball to draft Lonzo Ball with the number two overall pick in this year's draft. Lonzo has gotten tons of attention, some good, mostly bad, mostly because of his father. And they signed Contavious Caldwell Pope, which just seems like they spent 18 mil this year so they could talk to LeBron's agent for a year. (laughs) there is the they got fined for tampering in trying to talk about Paul George which is something everybody does but the Pacers just got bitter enough about it to accuse them of it and here we go so Leif biggest player slash biggest storyline for the Lakers this, this season if I were you, I would say Lonzo Ball. And storyline would be um, Magic Johnson taking over as um, president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't going to be my biggest storyline. What? It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and I'm not even going to say Lonzo Ball is the biggest player. For the, the Lakers this year. Because in a weird way, I kind of feel like I already know what to expect from Lonzo Ball. To me, the biggest player to look out for this season is Brandon Ingram. 
I would have said he would be more of your X Factor. No, but, he's not okay. the X Factor. He's not the X Factor. Um, I mean, I, 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 to me, it's Brandon Ingram because I see so much potential in Brandon Ingram. Like, Brandon Ingram could become the Lakers' very own version of Kevin Durant. And that's tough. That's, that's tough to put on him. That's it's really it's, tough. it's tough. I know. I know. And I'm not saying he'll ever be that good, but what I am saying is he he has the potential to be that good. And year two is going to go a long way into seeing if he can become that player or not. And I think in a lot of ways the Lakers need him to start showing signs that he can be that player because everything they're trying to do with signing Paul George, you know, LeBron, whoever else the other superstar is going to be, if Brandon Ingram is as good as his potential says he can be and then you're bringing in those guys, you're looking at, like, maybe the start of another Warriors-level team. Now, if he has a very uninspiring season this year now you're talking about Brandon Ingram as a as a trade trip to get another veteran to put in with those superstars so in that sense I think that's why he's the biggest player storyline because he has a world of potential he could very well be our own homegrown superstar but this year I feel is going to tell a lot if 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 that's what if that's what he's gonna be or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I would. I, he's one of those players again who, when he came into the league, I didn't expect much of him last season. So I'm more than willing to take a look at last season and say, you know what? Not that it didn't matter, but I think it was more so for him to grow. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah, yeah. So I'm not. So I, I would never. I won't look at his first year. I, I think with some a lot of players, the first year we can kind of just sweep away and say that's what it was. However, um, what I call him the the most important player, what I call him, I I, I can't say that. I, I can't say that yet. I I think he is more of an X factor, more of a player who a lot of people look at him and already kind of know or have already put a label on him or what kind of player he is. And I think it's unfair because we really don't know. We, yeah. we just saw glimpses of what he's able to do. And now we're hoping that next season or this upcoming season, he can do something special. So I can't really hold, you know, I can't say he's the most important or yet. I, I will call him. I don't even want to call him a sleeper per se. Mm-hmm. If he can build upon what he did last season, I think as a fan, you're going to be pleased. Yeah. And you can't be mad at it. But I don't want to give him um, lofty expectations because anything less will kind of take away what he actually contributes on the field. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not fair to him. And I know it's not fair to him. But he also doesn't have the, the benefit of fairness or time, for that matter. Because it's very clear that as of next summer, the Lakers are trying to build themselves into a super team. Right. Like, we all know that. So if he was on, 
if he was on another team, like if he was on Milwaukee or Minnesota or Denver or some team that would that they don't get superstars coming in and out the revolving door like a team like the Lakers is used to, they would say, you know what? It could take three, four, five years, but we're going to sit on this kid because once he hits, he's going to be an amazing player, and we can wait for that because we don't get guys like this coming through our door very often. The Lakers are not in that position. They got Paul George and maybe LeBron James banging on the door right now. And Brandon Ingram doesn't have the time that another team would allow him. He, he has to hit. He has to start turning into the player he can be now and yeah that's unfair but I think he has the capacity to do it um you know he even though it was one summer league game he he already looked miles ahead of the rest of the competition in that game which is something he he didn't do last year in summer league he looked he looked scrawny he looked like he can get pushed around and then that's what happened in the in the season this year, he looked like he can take a hit. He knew how to finish. He has some interesting passing. Um, if he can bring those elements to this season, and if him and Lonzo turn out to be this really fun one-two combo this year, I think that one makes them even more attractive and more of a landing spot for superstars. And two, that gives you another player that you don't have to go out and look for. He, he can automatically become a third or fourth star with whatever superstars you're, you're putting on this team next co- next year and beyond. See, so even when you talk about Summer League, yeah, he did look good. Debate that. Only thing, I, only thing I would say is that when you have a player who played a season in the NBA, who played against harder competition, and he played against, you know, for lack of a better term, men, and then you go into the summer league and you're playing against boys. Of course, you're gonna look great. That, that's that's <laughs> gonna, fine. You, you, should, you should look all world. If you, if he went in there and didn't look all world, I would be more worried. Now that I see him and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, he got better. You know, he learned something. He's better. He's a better player. You know, so I'm good with that. Um, and and I see a lot of potential there. Um, the reason why I'm gonna say Lonzo though is because. We know what to expect. We do. We, 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 he comes there with high expectations. We expect him to get the keys to the team. We, we've heard all about him. We've seen all the tapes. We, some of us have even watched his family on, on Facebook Live, all those shows and everything. We've seen all that. So we know he's very well documented what he does and what he's about. And I think what makes this important is that so much has been given to him and now when he gets there, he has to deliver. And he yeah. hasn't played one minute. <laughs> I know. I know. Of a, of, a, of a meaningful game for the Lakers. And I've seen a few games of his. You know, I haven't seen a whole bunch, but I've seen a few of him in college. It didn't come off looking great. And I've and so do I know, do I feel that that was just college? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll wipe that away. I think he's going to be special. To me, if he, he has to hit, and the Lakers are going to go as he goes. They gave up a lot, <laughs> in my opinion. Right now, this is what we're looking for. He has to well, What did they give up hit. for Lonzo Ball? 
Well, I, I right now I felt like they were players who could probably have fit that system a little bit better, honestly. And personal take, that could be a story for another day. I think in this case, Lonzo was that player who was there and they're saying, look, man, you've talked all about, you hyped it up, you talked about it. Now it's time for you to deliver. So it's a lot of, it's a lot on his shoulders uh, and I hope he can do it. I believe he can do it. That mm-hmm. to me is a big thing. Can he do it? All right. I, I hear you. I hear you. So, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's go to X Factor. Who's your X Factor for the Lakers this year? Okay, this one was interesting. Interesting. My X Factor for the Lakers was Brooke Lopez. Oh, okay. I like that one. Um, he got brought here in a trade, and Brooke. I've always liked Brooke. Um, he's not a rebounder, but he's a guy who can definitely shoot, create his own shot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's shown the ability to step behind that three-point line more and more. Right. And I think that is something that size is something that the Lakers can definitely use. But also a player who has some experience, and that's what he brings. Yeah. And so he's able to bring that veteran presence and he's able to not just be that presence in the locker room and not contribute on the floor, but is able to be and do it on the locker room and on the floor, you know, play, you know, let's say 30 minutes a game, let's say. Right. I think that's – I think he can really drive and really help that team out. I like that pick. Um, I agree with you. I, I also think that Brooke is a nice guy to have on that team because he's going to take a lot of offensive pressure away from a lot of the younger players on the team. Um, he's a guy who can get his own shot, like you said. He's also a guy that you, if the if the defense is locking you down and you've only got a few seconds left on the shot clock, you can give it to him and he'll try to make something out of it. So I think he's, he's good in those respects. He can shoot the three, like you said. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's a, he's a welcomed addition. And also, too, when you think about it this way, the veteran presence last year was was Nick Young and, like, Lou Williams. Um, And now you've gone from, like, two gunners to a guy like Brooke Lopez, who's an actual, like, leader type of player and is also a big man, can be kind of a defensive anchor for you, and is also also a mature player. So I I think that would be – that's going to be a better effect on – on all the all the young guys, so I like your X Factor. Cool. Well, your X Factor. What is your X Factor? Because I thought it was going to be um, Ingram. So, who is your X Factor? My X Factor is Julius Randle. Interesting. Interesting. I respect it. Julius Randle. Well, only mainly because Julius Randle is. Kind of, he he's kind of his own X factor this season as well because the way he plays this year can make or break him in terms of his future with the Lakers. They're at a crossroads where they're gonna have to think about if they want to sign him long term or if they want to use him as a trade piece. And they've got other guys. They've got Larry Nance Jr. They've got Kyle Kuzma. They they've got Thomas Bryant. 
they have guys who can play the four. So now, I mean, e- even if they wanted to, they could put Luol Deng as a stretch four if they wanted to. So Julius Randle really is going to have to show the team and himself who he is as a player and what he brings to the table that that makes him worth investing in in the future. And and if he's able to show that, if he if he's able to be that type of player, like he he always got comped to Zach Randolph, but he he's a lot more mobile than Zach Randolph's ever been. So if he's able to be like this uh, self-starting, fast break, bully ball, point forward type of player, then then you've really got something. And he's shown flashes of it. He you know he had some triple doubles last year. He was a he was the kind of guy that would grab the rebound and run the break himself, look to pass or look to finish it himself. If, if he is able to do all that and it's kind of like a um, you know a Draymond Green without the three pointers, but can run the break himself, that's an interesting player, and that's the type of player Luke Walton can use in his system. But if he's gonna be one of those guys that just puts his head down and gets offensive fouls and and, and loses the sense of the game again this year then they're going to move on from him they're going to they're going to find what they can they, they might use him as a way to to unload wall dang to another team or whatever the case may be so so that's why he's my x-factor this year cool yeah i could see that you know I, I like julius randall i like him a lot so that's cool yeah i like him too i, I would like them to keep him but it, it, you know, it depends on him. If he if he is not going to show that improvement they're looking for, then he's going to go the same way D'Angelo Russell went, unfortunately. Yep. So, most likely scenario for the Lakers. I mean, best case scenario for the Lakers. Best case scenario, I'm going to say eighth seed. That they shock everybody mm. and get to the eighth seed. Okay. My best case scenario is they finish 10th, but Lonzo wins Rookie of the Year. Brandon Ingram makes a lot of improvements. And everything they've been setting up for to get Paul George, to get the other superstars, it all stays aligned, and they're, they're poised to, to have a big summer next year. Yeah. Uh, worst case scenario. They're one of the third top three worst teams in the league. Yeah, I, that would be bad, especially since they don't own their pick. That would be pretty brutal. And so I agree with the wrinkle of, you know, Brandon Ingram looks like a bust on top of it. That would be a really bad scenario. Um, most likely scenario. Uh, most likely scenario, 10th seed. Mm, yeah, I'm going to say... Tenth, like 10th or 11th. Yeah. Most likely. I, I agree. I think they're like 11th in the West or something like that. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't see them as a playoff team. No, neither do I. So... Player you're most looking forward to watch play this year? Well, I'm gonna preface this by saying you've sold me on this player. You've 
hyped him up. You, no, you ain't got me. Don't interested. take it. Don't don't say no, him. I'm gonna say it. Do not Who's take this not? from me. No. I gotta see him, man. You keep hyping him up. You know. He took it from me. That's what, and that's who you were gonna say. That that to me, yes. that was the easiest one. Yes. That's who I have to see. You got me curious. You told me all about him during the summer league. You told me about him when the trade happened. I gotta see it now. So obviously, I was gonna say Kyle Kuzma as well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's just I, I love I love his game. I love I love seeing him. But he's also it also is a very interesting wrinkle too because, like I was saying with Julius Randle, if Kyle Kuzma emerges as this stretch four player, that. You know, he's 6'10", he can stretch the floor, he can run the court, he can block shots, rebound. If he can do that, then they might just get rid of Julius Randle anyway because Kyle Kuzma is playing that well. Right. Right. And, and, you know, if he does that, I I mean, that's super interesting because then if you have a Julius Randle who's playing well, but Kyle Kuzma just makes more sense for them long term, then you can get an even better return in a trade. As opposed oh, yeah. to if you Julius Randle, somebody else. Yeah, as opposed to if Julius Randle's yeah. floundering, and you just need somebody to to take Luol Deng off your hands for you, so you give him Julius Randle too. I mean, that that's that's an interesting scenario. But I, I really like Kyle Kuzma. He's not gonna he's not gonna play a lot off the bat. I don't think. I think he's gonna get some second unit minutes, but he's gonna have he's gonna have to fight some people for time. He's gonna have to fight Larry Nance Jr. for time. He's gonna have to fight Julius Randle for time. He might even have to fight Luol Deng for time, because um, you know Brandon Ingram. Because there is he can play some small forward too, and you know his jump shot looks really good. He he was he was shooting like over forty percent from three in summer league. And the numbers looked really good because even though he was a worse shooter in college, he was like in the low 30s, they broke down his stats even further. And his NBA 3 range was actually closer to 40%. So he he has one of those weird things where his form actually works better when he's further away from the basket than when he's closer. Um, So the shooting looks legit based on those college those college numbers and that's a whole lot of me just getting myself overhyped about this guy but i don't care i'm not mad at you so that's why i said you had me curious and i gotta see it now yeah i mean i was i didn't know much about him they were i heard they might draft him i went on draft express i started watching his breakdown i liked what i saw they drafted him i loved what i saw in summer league he looked really good um, and I think he's probably, if not the steal of the first round, I think he's one of them. Uh, I, you know, there's there's just guys that got drafted before him who who just they don't they don't even look half as good as him. I'm gonna be honest. Like Laurie Markkinen, Zach Collins, like guys like that. I mean, I think I'd rather have Kyle Kuzma than those guys. Oh yeah, you gotta take that. So. Cool. So there you go. With you. All right. So that wrapped up the Lakers. That was fun, but I can't talk about the Lakers all night, right? 
I know you could if you. If I, I mean, if you, you let you me, would. yeah, if you let me, I would. <laughs> but now we're gonna move on to uh, the last team in the Pacific Division, the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, okay. they were in a lot of, they were in a lot of news, but nothing actually really happened much for them this year, this summer, right? They, they almost got Kyrie Irving. They almost got Kevin Love or, I don't know, something, whatever that trade was. Um, but at the end of the day, they pretty much stayed pat. They drafted Joshua Jackson. That was kind of the big, the big deal for them this summer. And, all right, let's get into it. Biggest player, biggest storyline for the Suns this year. Um, biggest player, I'm going to say Josh Jackson. Not just because they drafted him, but because that was the player who kept them from getting Kyrie Irving on their team. If they will trade Josh Jackson, I believe Kyrie, Kyrie Irving would be on the Phoenix Suns right now. Mm. And, and do, do you, so, so you think that was actually what happened? They didn't, they didn't want to give up Josh I, Jackson? I think that was the player in the way. I think the Cavs said, all right, we want Josh Jackson. And they probably were like, look, we'll give you Brandon Knight. And they're like, we don't want Brandon Knight. And they're <laughs> like, oh, we'll give you Ronnie Price. And it's like, no. Matter of fact, since we're going to keep playing this game, we want Devin Booker. No, we're not going to give you Devin Booker. Okay, give me Josh Jackson. How about Jared Dudley? I, I kind of saw a scenario like that playing out where they're like, look, Irving, you know, you can have – Kyrie Irving with Devin Booker in your in your backcourt, which I'm not for nothing, that looks awesome on paper. That'll be in your backcourt, you know, and yeah, you lose Josh Jackson. Okay, but move on. Mm. But I think that would have made them better actually in a weird odd way. But interesting. Uh, it's a uh, that to me is the biggest player and the biggest storyline is what they did not do. Biggest storyline. Okay. Um The biggest storyline for me, I'm gonna say, is Devin Booker and direction. What's the direction of this team? Are they are they building for the future or are they trying to make something happen now? They've got Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler, Brandon Knight, Jared Dudley on this team. You're not getting anywhere with these. You're not you're not getting anywhere better than you were last year with this team. But at the same time, you haven't moved on from these players. In fact, you've just brought some of them back, like Jared Dudley. And I think at some point, this needs to be Devin Booker's team. Now, you don't want to keep starting lineups that are younger than NCAA tourney teams like they did in March. But I think you need to move on from some of these bigger names and get veterans that are more support supporting players that can kind of just keep you afloat so you're not that terrible but still allow guys like Booker to to take over this team. 
and yeah. I don't know where the team is going. Like, I, like I, at this point, like, what kind of package are you waiting for Eric Bledsoe? He's hurt every year. He's on a decent contract. But you're not going to get anything more than, like, a role player and a pick for this guy. I mean, look, look what Jimmy Butler and Paul George got. And they're way better players. I agree. So they got to move on from that. I don't know why they still have Tyson Chandler on this team. I'm pretty sure some team could have used him at the deadline last year for front court depth. And there will probably be another team that could use him again this year. Brandon Knight, same story. What are you doing with this guy? Move on from him. Let him go somewhere else on a team that could use him. Get get yourself, you know, a second rounder, a late first rounder. I mean, you're not gonna get better than that. I mean, Lou Williams was the sixth man of the year last year, and he he got a, he got a late first rounder in return. And I mean, unless we're trying to convince ourselves that Brandon Knight is better than Lou Williams, no, no, he's, he's not. Just, just younger. Yeah, he's, he's younger, but he's not better. You know, he gets dunked on a lot, like you said. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I want to see. What's the direction of this team? Are are you? I, I, yeah. And that some of that goes with Josh Jackson. You know, is Josh Jackson? Are we gonna see something from him? Are we gonna see he's a building block? Because other than Devin Booker, I don't know what their building blocks are. Dragon Bender looks a long way away. Marquise Chris looks a long way away if they're ever going to turn into that potential. Tyler Eulis, decent guy. Okay, but at best, he he's probably a third guard. You know, TJ Warren, mm, okay. he's You got a little something there with TJ Warren. But really, you don't have any bona fide franchise building blocks other than Devin Booker right now on this team. And, and that's what I mean by what the moves that they did not make. There were a lot of moves that they did not make. Every yeah. year going into the draft, it feels like they picked the, they get the same kind of player. Power forward center between 6'10 and 7'1 who's years away from actually contributing. I remember when they drafted Alex Len, oh yes, he was so close to contributing, and we still haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Then they go with Bender, and then they get Marquise Chris, and then this draft they get Alec Peters, and you're still saying, okay, you keep getting these players direction. And so, to me, when you had an opportunity to get a player that shows some direction, it's going to cost you something. You're not going to get something for free. That ain't happening. No. You're gonna you're, 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 and and you're not in a position where you're going to go into free agency and you're gonna get that star player. That ain't gonna happen. So the best way for you to get these players is going to be via trade, and that's where you're gonna have Kyrie Irving, who's just sitting there and who's available. Even though begging you, please, you know, we'll do anything. What do you want? You know, here's here's Irving. He's yours. What we're asking for is. Bledsoe and and Josh Jackson. To me, that to me was a no-brainer trade. You have a player who hasn't played a minute in the NBA with a player who's always injured, and then a pick for 
proven point guard to be by your proven shooting guard, and then you can start building your team out. To me, that was a, a man. I was throwing in Brandon Knight. Hey, you want Brandon Knight and his fourteen million dollars? Take that too. We don't want it. <laughs> I I agree with you with everything you're saying, except the part about trading Josh Jackson. Because when you look at this roster, it's great that you're going to get Kyrie Irving, but what's the point if all you have is Kyrie Irving and Devin Booker? I, I, I agree. I understand where you're coming from with that. What I'm saying, though, is not necessarily... Don't... Let's do this. Let's take the name Josh Jackson... We know we we all have feelings about Josh Jackson. I like him. I think he's going to be a great player for that team. What I'm saying is, you can't be so tight-fisted with your players that you don't make a move to make your team better. Okay, I agree with that. I I, I do agree with that. What you're saying there, because think about the moves that they made. You you, you bring back Jared Dudley. That was a, a free agent signing that they were like they were really proud about. I don't understand. Tyson Chandler, huh? You 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 already drafted Alex Lynn. You're talking about how he's your future center, and then you get Tyson Chandler, and mm-hmm. what? and then he's starting. That doesn't make sense. He said there's no direction. They they're moves that they should make. They haven't made them. It's a frustrating team, and just when you thought, okay, well they got some young talent there. In the right direction, they draft poorly. It, it's it's a team that's a very. It doesn't give you much hope, and so right there's a reason why last year they were on the in the bottom of the Pacific Division, and guess what? This year they're gonna do the same thing. Yeah, they're that's pro- not even a that's not a that's not a prediction. That's a fact. Yeah, I mean. We could just get get into most likely scenario now. They're probably going to be the worst team in the Western Conference once again. Um, I think you agree with that, right? So we can get that one out the yeah. way. Um, best case best case scenario, they're the worst team in the Pacific Division. That's the best case, <laughs> but scenario. not the Western Conference. <laughs> worst worst case scenario, they're the worst in the entire league. Which I, <laughs> they just might be. Yeah, I mean, either way, no matter what the scenario, they're going to be the worst at something. And, and, you know, I guess if you're a Phoenix fan, you don't care as long as Devin Booker shows out this year. Um, But it's not a lot else to be hopeful for. So who's your X Factor on this team? (laughs) (laughs) Moving forward. <laughs> Who's the X Factor on Phoenix? Are you always serious? Oh man! I mean, oh, we asking these questions for every team, man. I gotta ask it for them too. Oh man! Okay, my X Factor is the Suns Gorilla. <laughs> How about that? There you go. It's an answer. I mean, hey, it's an answer. Can, can he stay motivated enough during the season to keep the fans coming to the? Coming to the game, okay. Because it's gonna be a rough season. Wait, I got, I got <laughs> one. I got. It's a co. It's a co X factor. My co X factors are Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight, and they're X factors in the sense of 
can they stay on the court long enough and show enough to make themselves viable trade chips for this team so that they can actually acquire some assets, some real assets to move forward on this rebuild and not do this limbo where they just get draft picks because they're inept and they get high t- high prospect high draft pick talent but they're not doing anything else with the team to build towards utilizing that talent you know Devin Devin Booker and Josh Jackson they're high they're high draft pick talent but you know where's the direction with this team to to utilize that talent right so can Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight stay on the court long enough to make themselves trade pieces those are my x factors Okay, well, you can take off Brandon Knight. Um, Brandon Knight <laughs> towards ACL. He's oh. out for the season. Oh, yeah. I, sorry, I forgot. So, Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I'm so, looking, it's just Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I was looking at the team's injury report, and he wasn't even on the report, so I completely forgot. Yeah, they don't even count him anymore. He's just like, <laughs> he, he's there. Oh, my goodness. If, if, it's so sad. If... if this, this, it is sad. This guy averaged seven, like almost eighteen points per game, like three years ago. And the thing is, is not, it's not that he is bad. It's not. That's not what it is. It's just a team and a direction. And he's only twenty five. He's bounced <laughs> around. He, you know, he is a player who needs to go into onto a good team. Not a team who's building. Just say, look, we want you to go right, there and play. Right. You know, Man. so oh, yeah, he's not a he's not a bad player. He's not. He's not. I I, I like an X factor. I'm not. You know, I think it's a good X factor. Um, you know, I was kidding with the whole, um, the whole gorilla thing. Of course, um, my X factors are are going to be the bigs mm. on that team. Um, Alex Lynn, um, Bender, Chris, um, Chandler. Um, what are we going to get out of those guys? To me, we're at the point now where, like I said, they drafted several of these centers and power forwards, and we're getting mediocre performances out of them. Not necessarily Tyson Chandler. We, we know we're going to get out of Tyson Chandler, but – what we're looking for is Tyson Chandler's contract needs to come off the books. He he needs to move on to a contender and be that missing piece for a championship team, a yeah. playoff team rather. Yeah. Um, and we need to see one of these guys can stand up. So um, if we can see one of these guys step up, you know, you, we, you know, it'll be interesting. That that'll be something that you know will be a welcome sight for the Suns management just to see one of these these draft picks, one of these guys who. They picked not in like the second round, but they picked up in a high in the first round to see them actually perform. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Alex Len is not even technically signed with the Suns right now. He's a restricted free agent, but he has not signed a new contract with them. So he's he's currently technically out of out of contract. Wow. They. Is he an unrestricted free agent or? Um, no, he's a restricted free agent. That's right. He's still so yeah, yeah. free agent. Uh, you know, and you know, like you said, this is a guy like they really haven't 
try to see what they have in him. He's been behind Tyson Chandler. I mean, this was the fifth pick in the 2013 draft. Fifth pick overall. You know, he's 24. No team has thrown an offer sheet at him. The Suns are just like, take the qualifying offer, take nothing at all. And uh, this is kind of where he is. So I wouldn't expect much from Alex Len this year. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, maybe he just takes a qualifying offer and then uses the anger to propel him into something uh, interesting. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, this is all. I think Alex Lane's going to take that qualifying or offer a swallow it and realize that you had three years to perform and you did it. And so that's why no team wants you. And then consider the fact that you have all these other big men, you know, whether it's the Mozgovs and all the other guys who put a sour taste in people's mouths. Mm-hmm. And they look at him and they're like, we're not going to give you $15 million for what? Yeah, I mean, no. look at Nerlens Noel. Yeah, he thought he was going to get some contract, and they're like, "We don't want. We, what are we going to do with six, six point six rebounds? We don't. We, that's not what we want. You know, we don't need that that kind of player." Right. He was. He you was. Know? He was pretty. He was actually pretty productive for Dallas, and they still said, you know, they still dared him to see what he could get, and he couldn't get much. So right now he's taking the qualifying offer. Anything. So if he couldn't get anything, and he actually was pretty productive. Alex Lynn shouldn't expect much, but yeah, and you know, and that also kind of leaves him in a sour place with the team, which is never a good place to be in either. So it just goes more into what we were talking about. Where's the direction with this team? You know. So uh, I guess we go. We'll just go to <laughs> player you're most looking forward to watching play this this year on the Suns. Josh Jackson. Okay. Uh, seeing how he plays alongside Devin Booker. Devin Booker would have been an uh, obvious choice, but I, I definitely want to see how Jackson performs, whether or not he can the outside shot, and can he be that dynamic player mm. alongside Booker that makes us forget about the dysfunction on this team. You know, because if you can get Bledsoe, Booker, Josh Jackson on the floor at the same time performing well, and you get something from the other couple positions, it'll be an interesting team to watch. You know, they might be able to sneak a win. They might be able to play hard for three quarters. And I think that's the kind of team that would endear the Suns fans to this team. But um, just there's, you know, that's all I can go with Josh Jackson. All right, I'm going to go with Devin Booker. Um, he is the best player on this team. Um, he made a nice jump last year. I am looking to see if he can make another jump this year, really like start looking like one of these franchise-level guards that, that people think he is. And I'm, I'm actually looking to see if he can be more of a playmaker, too. I want to see him do a little better than the three assists, three rebounds, kind of start contributing more across the board this year. Yeah, I can see that. And, and this is his opportunity. This is his year, you know, 
He's been in the league for a couple of seasons, so let's yeah. see it. Can he can he take his game to that next level? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm with you on that, and phew, that's the Pacific Division, man. Uh, it, that's it. That's it. I mean, it took a little longer than I thought, but I do like the I do like the format. I do like giving more of these teams their their time and their due. And um, hopefully everybody listening enjoyed it as well. Uh, so next week, I think we're going to move on to the Northwest Division. Go on oh, to that one. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Got some teams to talk about in there. Um, some big changes on some of those teams. And uh, look forward to talking about it with you as always. Um, again, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the sideline reporter. You can find us on Twitter at the SL Reporter, and yeah, you can find me at Caldan three eight four on Twitter. You can find Leif at LDB Creations on Twitter. And thanks for listening. Let us know if you have any other questions you want us to try and incorporate in these uh, division previews. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.